Hi there and welcome to this, the latest of the Tea Break series of podcasts from Opening Up Cricket. It was great to be joined this time by World Cup winning batter Tammy Beaumont to talk about how she approaches the game from a mental perspective as well as how her mental health is looked after through cricket and also outside of it. Some of the key themes of our conversation here were around how she deals with nerves uh, and also the expectations that she places upon herself as she looks to push herself further. We also looked at the importance of a supportive culture and how that's been cultivated within her setting playing for England. And also something which is a common theme when speaking to uh, professional sports people, we looked at identity and how Tammy has worked over the years to make a separation between her as a cricketer but also as a person. And her advice is re- to others is really based around having that detachment so that cricket, as much as we love it, doesn't become the be-all and the end-all. She's got a load of really interesting stuff to say, so I'm sure you'll sit, sit back, relax and enjoy this. Thank you. So first of all, Tammy, I'll ask you the question that Everyone's asking each other at this time, how are you getting on with the lockdown and the restrictions we have? Yeah, I think for the first sort of five or six weeks, I was dealing with it pretty well. Um, got myself a little home gym set up in the garage and um, getting my exercise in when I needed to and, and feeling pretty good about that sort of time. But um, yeah, the last week or so, I've just been itching for it all to be over and getting a little bit restless now, to be honest. Yeah, I can understand that feeling. So... In terms of preparation for when you do finally get to go outside, how much have you been able to do in your setting? Of course, um, it's, it's very difficult to do the, the conventional training methods, but what have you been able to do to adapt to what you do have? Yeah, so like I said, I've been pretty lucky to turn my garage into a gym and, and get out on the road doing a lot of running and everything like that. So in a way, it's been good to kind of focus on the real fitness aspects uh, for a good few weeks. So I do feel kind of physically in a good place to get going um, if a season should start. But actually, it's a lot harder to kind of, you know, cope with the fact I haven't really had a bat in my hands for a long time and, and kind of the fielding and all those kind of aspects are, um, yeah, probably going to cause a bit of anxiety once we do start. Um, and I think as well, it's kind of, cricket's a very mental game and I find that um, it takes me a little while to really get my mental game going again that's almost something that um quite often you know you'll hit the middle of the bat quite early on but actually getting that mental sharpness back is something that um yeah that's kind of worrying me if we're kind of getting straight back in, back into competitive cricket I think yeah I think that is a cause for for concern because oh it depends how you read the news but there just tend to be a, a, a thought that when things happen it's going to be a really quick paced schedule and then adapting to it will be quite quite tricky you mentioned there getting your, your mental sharpness and that side of your game um, uh, peaked at, at, different, uh, at different points. Um, what is it that you, you, that you would do to, to look after that? So assuming you're in the normal scenario where you do have the ability to, to net, to do other different physical things, how do you combine that with working on your mental skills? I think you kind of have to do both at the same time. I think unless you've literally got something very technical that you're trying to break down, uh, the game is so much of a mental game that um, it's kind of always incorporated in my sessions. And it's something I've worked really hard at over the last few years. And 
um, just even within a net session, it's kind of about, um, you know, making sure you know what your plan is for whatever the situation is in the net and then, you know, reviewing whether you actually play and execute your plan and kind of if it worked, why it worked. Um, and then also like what maybe could you have done better and it's about putting yourself under pressure in those situations so quite often I'll do things like scenarios and really test yourself out and make it you know you've got to get eight and over or you've got to score one boundary and over those sorts of things and almost talk with the coach at the same time on what are you looking for here what are your boundary options and that's how I kind of get my my clarity going is sort of almost having to discuss absolutely everything you know what is my plan here what am I trying to do um, and then almost re reflecting and reviewing on how I actually went against that. Um, and yeah, it's certainly something about putting you under pressure um, kind of makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah, because that's the key, isn't it? In any walk of life is when pressure comes, it's something that if we're not prepared for, it can, it can hit us really hard. But if we've had time to practice different techniques, different routines, then we acclimatise um, a, a lot better. So how far... Do you, do you find your, your own balance in, the tr in training between doing things to make you feel good, to feel that ball on the middle of that, for example, and on the other side, making yourself go out of your comfort zone? Yeah, I'm quite a tough um, taskmaster most of the time. I, I constantly want to be challenged. I, you know, if it's not a, a scenario net, I want, all oh, right, I've got to hit. Uh, five balls in that area and it's almost like a competition and there's something riding on it and I really thrive off that and that really kind of suits my personality in, in getting the best out of me but um, kind of when you're on a tour or the day before a game that's when you kind of want to just feel really good and feel the ball on the middle of the bat um, those sorts of things and particularly on game day like you just want to feel good going into that game but um, sort of the longer you are out the more you want to test yourself under pressure and um, I kind of like to do it if I feel Quite often, if I feel in form, if I feel quite good, that's actually where I want to push myself even harder to really test it under pressure. Because, um, you know, a lot of good cricketers can hit a, a half volley um, nine times out of ten in the net and, and do it perfectly. But can you do it when you're 30 for three and there's two slips waiting? Can you do it um, when, you know, it's the winning runs or anything like that? So for me, I just kind of really thrive off that kind of challenge, that, that really pressure of if you don't make it, there's a consequence. Um, so I quite like to do it quite a lot um, and almost if I feel in form that's when I want to do it even more because um, you know you're obviously feeling good but it's actually you've got to be mentally disciplined to make sure that you know you do it under pressure and not just relax and, and not get away with it. Yeah okay so as you get closer to a game like you've said there it's, it's, it's a, a habit or part of a routine to, to, to try to feel good um, would you describe yourself as a as a nervous player or someone who has it together in that immediate time before the game, perhaps the hour or the minutes leading up to an innings? No, I'm someone who, um, I think not many people know this. I think I kind of give off a facade that I am quite calm, but actually inside I'm completely, um, well, I was going to say a rude word, but like, <laughs> just completely a, a bag of nerves most of the time. And I think um, looking back at the early part of my career, that, that almost killed my career, actually. I think so many times I'd do well at, at county cricket, academy cricket, um, and then making that step up, I just couldn't do it because the nerves would just get to me and just completely ruin my performance and, um, you know, yeah, completely overcome any thought process that was going on. Whereas the last sort of four or five years, I've really managed to, you know, take that nervous energy and, and realise that it's normal, it's okay, 
yes, it's annoying as hell, but you know, you can get through it. And if you channel it into the right way, eventually you'll settle into an inning. So quite often I find, you know, the first 10, 15 runs are the hardest just because it takes that long for me to just feel settled at the crease and, you know, really kind of start my thinking being a lot clearer. Um, but kind of getting over those first 10, 15 minutes runs are actually the hardest thing quite often. Mm. And it's important to understand that for you or for anyone listening, that's perfectly normal to be, to be anxious, to be worried, to, ha- to know that in your game or in your life, there's some things that make you particularly nervous then trying to see what you can do to, to find a way through it. So you mentioned perhaps the last four or five years you've seen a difference in, in being able to match what you want to do with actually achieving it. Has there been anything specific that you've changed to be able to, to get the most out of what you put in in training? Um, I think the first thing was acknowledging that it's okay and that it is normal. I think before I used to try and have this big bravado and be like, oh no, I'm fine. Like, I'm not nervous. It's good. Like, I'll just, I'll just go in and do what I've always done. But actually once I started talking about it and admitting it, um, you know, you realize so many people are in that situation and then people can actually help you. And, um, yeah, Mark Robinson came in at, at the top with England and he sort of was like, no, it's normal. Like, all you need to do is go in and settle. And if we can get you settled, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll just be away. And, you know, it was just about keeping it really simple. Okay, get to five runs, get to 10 runs, get to 15. And then it sort of just became a lot easier. Um, and it's almost being allowed to to feel that way. You know, some days I'll, I'll be in the nets with the assistant coach and I'll be like, I can't, I can't play today. No, I can't do it. Honestly, I, I can't walk out there. I, I can't. I'll just embarrass myself. I'll trip over the boundary rope on the way out there or... I'll fall over or something there was just something that I was like I can't even do it I can't even do it and you know there was one day in particular last summer I ended up scoring 100 in the ashes in an ODI and the, the morning of the game I was like no you need to you need to drop me I can't do it I can't do it and obviously when I've got out having got 100 in an ashes ODI um the, the assistant coach just come up to me and he just laughed he's gone are you, are you sure you can't do it then and it's kind of it's just a case of at the time it feels horrible and you don't know why you put yourself through it but you know, once you do and you get that kind of relief of having performed and getting through it, it just becomes so much easier. Um, and I think when you're younger, you just feel like, you know, you want the, the, the you know, floor to open and you be completely and utterly swallowed into it so you can avoid it. But actually that feeling you get when you've got through it and become the other side, it's just, um, just amazing. Yeah, it's fascinating. Have you found that the more success you've had, the easier it's been to talk about those nerves and those self-doubts. Yeah, I think it becomes easier to admit that they happen. And I think um, it's, it is easier to talk about, but I actually reckon it's almost got worse. Um, some of the kind of the nerves, I think, do kind of get worse because you have that expectation of yourself to to perform every single time. And um, yeah, it kind of you don't get many games where, you know, it's almost an easy game and and actually now I don't think I could play without that sort of nervous energy. I don't think I'd be moving quite the same or doing the same sort of things. It's, um, it's a fine balance to get it right and not go too far the other way and, and be a bit too relaxed and a bit too laid back. And before you know it, you've kind of snipped off to, to second slip or whatever. But um, yeah, it kind of, <laughs> I wish it would get easier, but yeah, it's a lot easier to talk about. And, and hopefully kind of the more you talk about it, the more other people will realise that, you know, a lot of people will have that situation. Yeah, absolutely. There must be 
any players starting out on their international career who come into the environment and the dressing room who are feeling exactly the same and knowing that, that you and, and others in, in all different ways have things which, which, you can, which can potentially restrict them, but they find ways past, must be a really good part of that, that team environment. Is, the, is it something that is, is spoken about a lot in, in your group, how people, how people are in that way, how they feel about their cricket rather than just runs the wickets and the, and the physical preparation? I think, again, it kind of come, goes through phases. I think you talk about it quite a lot, a long time out from something that you're working towards. So say we're working towards a World Cup, maybe six months before, we'll really talk about those sorts of things in the build-up. But um, kind of the closer it gets, the more it's about kind of putting your armour on and um, trying to show that you're, you're not vulnerable to the opposition, but then still trying to be as vulnerable as possible with your kind of mates. Um, I think we're quite lucky that in our setup, we certainly look after our young players as much as we can. And I think we appreciate quite a lot of us, you know, in, that are senior players in the team now didn't have the easiest of um, routes through to, to making it as a senior player. So we really try and, you know, develop those young players as much as we can and almost hope that they don't go through maybe what we did. Um, but yeah, it's certainly kind of the closer you get to competition, the closer it gets to actually having that you know, physical opposition, um, you kind of almost want to make yourself feel, feel tougher, feel bigger than you are and, and put that sort of armour on, put that vulnerability away. Um, but yeah, away from the pitch, it is a lot about, you know, what do you need from me if we're batting together? What do you need me to say? What do you, um, what kind of things are, are good to get you going? Or, you know, with a bowler, if you, if you bowl a bad ball or you have a bad over, what, what sort of things do you need from us as a team that can kind of get you back in the right place? And, and actually, I think that's the one of the hardest things within a team. Quite often, you know, you might have a couple of bowlers fighting it out for one spot, but actually if they can work together and help each other, then it's only good for the team in that, you know, both of them will improve their performance. Um, and it might just be, you know, which one on the day is the, the right choice for the team sort of thing. But actually, that's what I think makes great teams is, you know, it's not 11 individuals or even 15 in a squad it's sort of an actual collective coming together and everyone making each other better and certainly I think in 2017 when we won that World Cup that was something we had it was it wasn't just you know people out there for themselves it was right what can I do what conversation can I have to make this person perform at their best and we were so happy when they did perform because it wasn't just you know their efforts it was absolutely everyone's efforts um, providing that. Yeah, and I, I don't I certainly don't think it's a coincidence that that kind of culture where people are used to speaking with each other about things that are personal, about you know how they feel and how they respond to situations, what they might need from others, um, in a in a performance context, um, that exists. And then you'll have and people are of course aware of the likes of Sarah and Kate who've spoken very openly about times with their health where they've been. Um, been encountering problems I just think that the examples that you've given are, are so good for people to think if you're used to talking about what's inside your head um, from a po really positive perspective it's easier then for people to think and, and to discuss it when when things aren't quite so so good um, so within that environment I'm probably uh, probably already answered my own, my own question here actually that is it somewhere that it's it's a, it's it's explicit that people can share 
how they are or can open up in that that sense because it's not always there is it people can feel that they need to almost ask permission to share that it seems like from what's happened and what you've mentioned that this is part of the conversation anyway and it'd be natural that if someone did need that little bit of, of help going further they they'd feel like they could do that yeah i think that's taken quite a long time to to become a thing i think there was quite a while where people would just kind of have this front up and um you know kind of hide their vulnerabilities at, at times and i think it did take quite a lot it took you know sarah taking a break um to probably highlight it within the squad and get a lot of education about it actually and i think once she kind of was the first one to come forward i think you realized a lot of people then would share oh yeah i've been to see the the psych i've been to see the psych and it kind of it made you realize you weren't necessarily the only one going through problems and i think particularly international cricket at times you know you get you get the media scrutiny you've got expectations you've got it's it's your job at the end of the day if we lose our england contract we've lost our job um and kind of going from it being a hobby to um to kind of it being your livelihood was a really tough thing to deal with and i think a lot of us actually you know had to take a little bit of a look and you know sort ourselves out mentally and learn to deal with it and and toughen up a bit in a way but um at the same time you've got to be vulnerable with each other and yes it was incredibly difficult times some horrible conversations and we're still not great at them to be honest we're still terrible at giving each other feedback because we you know we just care about each other we don't necessarily want to say you're being a bit of a idiot at the minute like you know you're being a drain was something we would try and do you had to be a drain or a radiator which one were you going to be for the team and those kind of conversations are horrible to start with and you know they're still pretty horrible but we kind of have to keep revisiting them and making sure that you know we can do those sorts of things within the team and I think it's got to the point now though that we will notice if someone is struggling a little bit and acting that's not in a way that's not with their character and actually we'll kind of find a way to maybe try and get it out of them sometimes and it won't be right we'll sit down with all 16 of you and, and quiz you like because that's just not fair but it might be oh you're closest to so and so like you should maybe take her for a coffee and see what's up with her or you know maybe you'd ask like the person's best mate like are they all right they've got something going on like what's sort of what's happening here um and kind of it'd be dealt with in the sort of right way um but yeah certainly once those conversations start once it kind of opens the door i think um that's the hardest part um once it's kind of happened a couple of times it's it becomes a lot more natural to kind of have those conversations i think yeah definitely need someone to lead with it don't you to to show everyone that actually the world doesn't fall in on you if you start talking about these kind of things your mates do want to uh, to look out for you and sometimes like you've said we're all guilty of that we've just some with some situations not quite sure how to approach it but that's the beauty of being a human that we we mess up a lot of things but we've always got a chance to to make it right and and on that theme um we've touched a little bit on the the pressures there where you, you yeah you've highlighted the fact that the drop-offs there that you 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 lose your contract that's your your livelihood gone is that the biggest pressure that exists for you in in the game or is it something else well it's a great question i think um i think there's a lot of pressures and i think some of them are probably you know i probably make them worse for myself i think quite often i think for me my biggest one is not living up to my own expectations um and actually 
in doing that, letting my teammates down, I think is the biggest one that plays on my mind. Um, yeah, I think when it comes around to sort of the time when contracts are renewed, that's when you've got that one at the front of your mind. Like, have you done enough to keep keep your contract? Um, those sorts of things. I've seen, you know, a few girls that have been on the last year of their contract and not necessarily getting a go in the team. You know, their their mental health is something that you do really worry about. And, you know, I think it's incredibly difficult for a girl in that situation, a girl or boy in that situation to you know, put that to one side and just think, right, what can I do with my performance at the minute? Right, can I, you know, put in 100% and not have that in their back, you know, in the back of their mind that, you know, today I've probably got to get five births to keep my job sort of thing. I think that's incredibly difficult. Um, but again, you know, there's so much competition for places, but they're also your mates that you hang around with 10 months of the year. So there's, yeah, there's a lot of pressures, I think. But um, for me, I certainly think the ones I put on myself are the ones that, play on me the most um and that's something that I have to manage myself and really try and um not overplay it I think sometimes it's brilliant motivator for me that you know I want to be up here I want my performances to be the best they can be I want to maximize my talent um but kind of when I start looking at oh what's that girl from Australia doing what's the best player in our team doing and getting a bit um comparing myself with others and and being unrealistic in the expectations that I can do um that's when it really kind of starts grating on me and I have to really take a look at it and slow down and be like right no focus on yourself what can you control and what can you do about it um and kind of forget about everyone else sometimes mm. it sounds like your the thing which motivates you and keeps you going is also the biggest threat in that you're pushing yourself and pushing yourself but then it can be something that undermines you which I guess a lot of people will see in themselves or or others will look at and think Oh, yeah, that's completely different to them. That's the, the beauty of this. What do you do um, in terms of whether within the game or when you're sort of taking a break from it, when you're easing away from it, to look out for your mental health and fitness? So a lot of what we've discussed will be about trying to get you to be scoring as many runs as possible, to be contributing as much as you can in a, in a cricket sense. But what do you do which helps you just to keep... Your, your, your life happy and healthy yeah I think I'm still kind of working on that I think you know over the last sort of year or so I've had so, so little kind of time off um from any kind of tour that actually this sort of six weeks in a way has been a really good chance for me to reset and really you know look at my own motivation my own kind of career where, where I want to go to what what makes me happy and all those sorts of things so I'm certainly I'm not um you know, by any means the finished article when it comes to this at all. But um, yeah, there's sort of things that I know I can always kind of come back to. And I'm very lucky that I've got a lot of friends that I kept from university outside of cricket. And, you know, I used to go home when I when I was at uni and I'd say, oh, I've got two today. And they'd be like, oh, well done. Like they just didn't get cricket. So they just, they know who I am. They know who Tammy is. They don't know Tammy the cricketer. And I think quite often for me, that's making sure I'm looking after both of those kind of people in a way they are sometimes quite separate people at home I like to be quite caring want to you know be there for my friends they, all those kind of things and on the pitch I have to be you know quite often the warrior the challenger taking on the opposition so it's kind of making sure both of those people are, are satisfied and, and looked after um I find just doing simple little things I my psychologist at the time used to try to get me to do a lot of meditation but I found I didn't have the concentration span so um even just things like you know, taking a long bath and um, doing my nails, those kind of things that just 
take your focus away from what your head's actually thinking um and just sort of yeah doing sort of mundane things like that yeah doing my nails having nice bath face masks things like that silly little things um that kind of just you know almost pamper me a little bit and um look after myself uh, I find quite useful I even take them on tours now as sort of oh I've had a tough day right I'm gonna go <laughs> do like have a little me session but um yeah those sorts of things are really important to me as well as kind of family and friends and staying connected with them and getting the chance to be like just Tammy not Tammy the cricketer I think is important for me I think that comes out a, a heck of a lot with people who have a designated profession in your case cricketer I find this with with teaching that you kind of people will will refer to you as your profession. So they'll say you're a teacher, you're a cricketer, you're a plasterer, whatever it is, and that's great when you're doing that. But when you want to switch off, and people don't necessarily, you don't necessarily want people saying, oh, you know, have you watched this bit of cricket or have you read this book or whatever. You want to just say, I'm me. Uh, so that's. That's really interesting. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's something I massively struggled with for quite a long time, that my entire self-esteem and identity was linked to Tammy the cricketer. And it was fine when it was going well. But at the same time, there'd be days I'd score 100 and I'd get off the pitch and go, oh, I did my job today. Like, that's all I've done. I've done my job. So if scoring an international 100 is not giving you joy, then something's not quite right, really. Um, because then days where you get naught or five just become unbearable and there's never any kind of joy in it. So it was, I had to really look at it and think, no, like, yes, being a cricketer is a massive part of my identity. And yes, I absolutely love cricket. I've been watching everything on Sky Sports, <laughs> like all the replays I'm watching there all day. I'm there. I just love cricket, but that isn't the only thing I am. Like there's also, you know, the caring friend, the, you know, the, whatever like there's other parts of me that can also if cricket's not going well there are other things that are about me and that's it doesn't define me if I get a hundred or not that's something that you know you have to work on quite a lot and and not just be you know too linked to one thing mm. now linked to that my final couple of things uh, you've perhaps already said what what the answer to this this question would be but if you were to give some advice to if you could go back in time and give yourself some advice let's say we go back 10 years maybe a bit longer what do you know now that you'd love to have known when you were just finding your way and trying to understand yourself both as a cricketer and a person Oof, um that's an absolutely brilliant question i think you've stumped me a bit there but um yeah, I think I would have liked to have been able to detach myself a bit from it. I think for a long time, cricket was the be all and end all. Um, and I literally judged myself on how I went or how I played or, or whatever. And I think actually trying to stay well rounded and, you know, work on yourself as a person as well as just a run scorer or whatever, I think for me is the biggest thing. And I think actually once you have something else going on, um, you know, albeit just what, well, whatever it is, I think that for me then gave me that balance to be able to turn it on and really give it a hundred percent when I'm at training, when I'm in games, but actually once I'm away, I can actually be able to switch off. I think that's the biggest thing is like, I, you know, it's, it's hard enough sometimes to switch it on when it counts, but actually switching it off sometimes is the hardest thing. Um, I can remember tours where I would just be cricket 
24-7 for a month. And then I'd just come home and sort of for seven to 10 days, I would barely get out of bed because I was just that exhausted. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing is being able to balance it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the wisdom that, you know, we get at whatever age, and of course we're always still learning, always seems so obvious, but when you're in the midst of things, it can be very difficult to do that. So my final question then, uh, Tammy, and I think this really links up with everything that we've said regarding cricket, but how it's approached and, and whether we, we do let it take over. And it's very easy to do that at whatever level people are playing. Um, when you do get back outside and able to, even I suppose, even just to train again, but, but to be out there back into the, the cricket routine, um, having this break, how do you think that will affect you for, for good, hopefully, or, or, or potentially, you know, some challenges or potential pitfalls with it? I think um, I think in the short term, I think it will. This break will be um, when we first start. I think it will be quite difficult for me to to kind of come back into. I'll I'll have set my expectations too high, and I'll forget that I might not have hold you know played a competitive match for you know five, six, seven months, and actually need to give myself a break at that point. But um, and just you know just be. Don't worry about the kind of level of performance, just be where you're at and go from there and kind of look to progress each session. Uh, but I think in the long run, I hope that, um, you know, this actually would have been a really good time to have a bit of a break for me. You know, it's been nonstop for like a number of years now. So to actually just have a bit of a chance to stop and, and be myself a little bit. And um, yeah, I've done a few little personal development sort of things like online courses and, and things like that, just to kind of remind myself that there's, there's part of me outside of cricket and, yeah, I think it will kind of lengthen um, my career a little bit, I hope. Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this is, has been brilliant for, for me and I'm sure everyone who, who will listen because um, a lot of the things which I was perhaps um, expecting to hear, I, I did. And then some things that I just didn't expect as well. And you, you've been so honest with with how you approach the game and, and how things uh, affect you so that that's really terrific kind of stuff so what I'll say now just to finish is I hope we do get outside as soon as it's safe um, and that when you get back into it you hit the ground running and um, you meet those expectations but of course you know give yourself a little bit of a break along the way as well yeah <laughs> thank you thanks for having me on <laughs> Well, I think that was a fascinating insight to how the mind of a top player works. Loads of things to reflect on and, and take home and perhaps embed in, in how we approach our game or life in general. If you also enjoyed this podcast, please do share on social media or give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you've listened to it. If you've got any comments, feedback or suggestions, then please get in touch via the usual methods through the platforms of social media or you can email mark at openupcricket.com. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you again soon.